From Boca Raton, Florida, this is Behind the Bima. On this episode, the rabbis are joined by Rabbi Yisrael Kamenetsky, Rosh Yeshiva of DRS Yeshiva High School in Woodmere, New York. Rabbi Kamenetsky discusses how his school has adjusted during the pandemic and shares timeless lessons from his father about Jewish education and leadership. Also, the rabbinic tradition of the post-funeral cold drink. And what are the rabbi's personal highlights from 5780 and goals for 5781? All this and more behind the bima. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg, together with my dear friends, Rabbi Philip Moskowitz and Rabbi Josh Brody. It's 9 p.m. on Wednesday night, and that means we are here to take you... Behind the bima. Behind the bima. Gentlemen, it is another week, and here we are on the eve of Rosh Hashanah. So much to talk about, so much to do, so much to get done. Air of Rosh Hashanah, we have an amazing guest tonight. Couldn't think of a better guest for Erev Rosh Hashanah. Really inspiring, impactful, transformational person at Rabbi Yisrael, or I knew him always as Yissi Kamenetsky. Can't wait to have him on. But I want to begin by thanking our generous sponsor for tonight. We're deeply grateful to our friend Willie Hachman, CEO of the Joe Paul Group. Not the first Hachman to sponsor a Behind the Bima, and yet another example of Booker Town Synagogue not being a geographic place, but BRS being a movement. Because Mr. Hackman doesn't live here in South Florida. The Joel Paul Group is an executive search and consulting firm that deals exclusively with nonprofit organizations, agencies, and academic institutions nationwide. We have successfully aided many nonprofits, identify exceptionally talented senior professionals, top administrators. If you're a professional seeking the next move in your career, <laughs> or a nonprofit looking to hire, visit joepaul.com. Joel, J-O-E-L, Paul.com. The Joel Paul group already knows that there is a moratorium. If they speak to Rabbi Philip Moskowitz, they're done. <laughs> they get the sponsorship. They cannot recruit. He's off limits. He's. I was uh, going to say, is this, is, is this your way of sending me a hint? Is- he's, off, <laughs> no. he's off limits and out of bounds. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No way. Can't talk to you. But we're very grateful to, uh, to Willie. Willie's a good friend of our community. Obviously, an extended part of the BRS family. And uh, we're deeply grateful for his sponsorship, for his support, his beautiful work for, through Joel Paul on a regular basis, helping nonprofits have the best leaders that they can. And it's a, it's a really um, not an easy job matching up professionals with nonprofits. Uh, but he does a great job of it. So as long as he honors and observes the moratorium that Rabbi Moskowitz is off limits, Roberto, you're also off limits. I don't mean to insult you, but yeah, it's uh, okay. I'm not as nervous. I'm not <laughs> as nervous you can go I, anywhere. I just spoke to someone in Teaneck this past week that goes to one of those uh, shuls, and they said, "What's the story?" So I said, "Well, you tell me what's the story." I remember last time Rabbi Moskowitz in the in the running, and I said, uh, "I'm okay. speaking to another synagogue." I said, "Listen, I started talking to you all about it, and you 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 didn't fill you didn't fill me in." Like, but basically, you and the guy I was talking to knew knew all about this, and I'm, I'm the only guy that's left in the dark, as usual. Listen, that's all part of ancient history. It's about right. to be Rosh Hashanah. It's a new year. It's a fresh start. It's a new beginning. And to that, we say l'chaim, to being healthy, happy, another week. And tich Hashanah v'kil may the year and the challenges it has brought up, tough shin pei, end. And tachel Hashanah and the new year should bring bracha, simcha, nachas, to all of our listeners, to everyone, we say lechaim. Amen. I'm actually drinking a drink that you introduced me to a long time ago. Oh yeah, what's that? Arn- Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer is a very yeah. uh, satisfying, thirst quenching drink. It's an excellent drink for a hot day. That's not your drink of choice. That's not your drink. I remember what Arizona iced tea, right? That's your that's your drink of choice. It's an, it's post Arizona. funeral. 
It's oh, a, it is an Arizona. It, it is an Arizona product. It is an Arizona product. Arnold Palmer was Mahadesh. He mixed iced tea and lemonade, and it got a new name called think, Arnold Palmer. I think it was now, an actor. Now, <laughs> now, people right. might be interested to hear that rabbis have post-funeral traditions, right? Do you want to speak mm. about that a little bit? Why it is that rabbis have traditions after a funeral before you transition back into your regular work? Um, there's a tradition of you have to create a Hamavdil Bain funeral to the rest of the world. You have to separate a little bit. And uh, we have our tradition when we were going to funerals together. Why is it that rabbis have uh, traditions like that, Rabbi Goldberg? Yeah, it's very interesting you raise that because the truth is that I, don't, I didn't come up in rabbinical school. It didn't come up in smicha. And yet when you talk to our colleagues, um, not by design, Every single one. intuitively, everybody does the same thing, which is after a funeral, you stop and you get a drink as if an affirmation of life. You've just had contact with death. You just you can't transition right back into wherever you're going next. And sometimes where you're going next is a simcha, from a funeral to a simcha, and you change your tie in the back because Rabbi Luxtein taught us in SR at YU that you need a funereal tie. That was a word I learned in SR, a funereal tie. I have a series of funereal ties. You probably all recognize them. The two of you recognize them by now. And then you have simcha ties. So if you're a rabbi, you've got funereal ties. Sim, where's my hand? Simcha ties. You've got Shabbos ties, Yomtev ties. Weekday ties, you've got uh, Yom Noroim ties, a nice white tie. And the Mirza Shemi should be Zochah to make weddings. You'll have the wedding ties of, of your children. So, you know, a rabbi needs to have nice diversity of ties in their in their closet. So, yeah, affirmation of life. Besides, so you're the- an Arnold Palmer guy. What do I drink? What's my drink of choice, Rabbi Goldberg? Chocolate milk. Chocolate milk. <laughs> as, lo- as long as Rabbi Moskowitz has a lactate pill in his wallet, he's happy to go for the chocolate milk, what we call chocolate milk. Um, people who pronounce things normally, but Rabbi Moskowitz likes a nice ice called chocolate milk. Rabbi Brody, what's, what's your what's your beverage, thirst question, quenching beverage of choice? After after a uh, hot funeral? Yeah, Budweiser. Bud, Budweiser. King of beers. And, and also... Just for the record, it's not only a drink. We each one of us pick out one snack. Sometimes always, depends depends whether how well we're behaving, not behaving. It might be chips. It might be some right. cashews. It depends, you know, how well we're behaving. But I just want, I do want to clarify because one of our listeners who I love and admire, and uh, they they love what we do. Um, so it wasn't a criticism, but raised the question of why we begin with a lachaim. Are we glorifying alcohol? Is it insensitive to, to people maybe more a little bit more sensitive in that area? So I just want to offer a clarification that 100% we should be sensitive and our community tries to be very sensitive to issues of, of recovery, alcoholism, addiction. Um, and you know, we hosted an Al-Anon meeting uh, on a regular basis uh, for, for a while and other things. Um, our effort is not to glorify drinking. It's to endorse moderation and a little bit to be able to celebrate life. It's part of the Jewish tradition too. So everything in moderation, everything responsibly, everything with sensitivity, nothing in a way that tries to um, promote or or create a pressure for others to, but just a l'chaim, a l'chaim to life, and that's what we're doing. But I will say, I, I unfortunately had a funeral last week. We had a lot of shiva notices last week, um, and I did a funeral at one of the cemeteries where our shul has, we have a section in Hollywood of a cemetery, Beth David Memorial Gardens. They're not a sponsor, and they didn't send us any swag to put out, but nevertheless, we'll give them a little bit of props. So Beth David Memorial Gardens, Hollywood. We also have two sections now of the Eretz HaChaim Cemetery in, in um, Beit Shemesh, Israel, where my grandparents are buried. My, my father moved his parents from, 
they were buried in Staten Island in a cemetery to Israel. He moved them. It's an amazing story. We had an unveiling for them decades after their death, after their funeral. We had a family unveiling for them after they were moved. And after 120 years, Yechavit and I already have, have graves. It's a school for a long life. The only yeah, one to actually say that. You know who says that? The people who own the cemetery tell you it's a school <laughs> for a long life. I don't know if there's a source. Yeah, we're going to spend eternity with the Brodies. Please God, after 120 and beyond. Anyway, so I went to our cemetery. I had a funeral there on Sunday. And um, the cemetery workers, you know, you grow a rapport with them when you're a rabbi. You've done enough funerals. You see them. You know their name. How are you? So I will say that um, Rabbi Moskowitz was not with me for this funeral. And one of the lovely cemetery workers, really amazing people, very sensitive. They, they do their work with dignity and class. Anyway, he says to me, haven't seen you in so long. How are you? Good. How are you? How's your family? Great. How's your family? He goes, where's your brother? Like, My brother? <laughs> My brother lives in Alonshvud. He's never come up to a funeral in South Florida ever. I'm like, what do you mean my brother? He's like, you know, the skinny, tall, your brother. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Rabbi Moskowitz. Now, why is that significant? That is significant. Because he didn't see your son. <laughs> Correct. At a different cemetery once. Someone twice. Asked twice. Someone asked if we're father, son. So, I don't know. Rabbi Moskowitz is aging or I'm looking younger. I hope I'm getting a little gray here. That's what it means. But I'm I'm honored and happy to think that you're my brother, not my not my son. So yeah, rabbis, if you talk to rabbi, go ask your rabbi. Text your rabbi when this is over and say, what do you do on the way home from a funeral? And they're guaranteed to say, I stop for a cold drink, not because of thirst necessarily. I wonder if Rabbi Tights did that. That's a good question. I don't know. By the way, postscript to last week, my mother was telling me. Remember last week we were talking about Rabbi Grayjower's tweet: Who are the people who religiously intimidate you? Know different things by heart. My mother right. told me that in JEC, in JEC, I don't know if it was in if it was in middle school or the beginning of high school, in JEC, well, she went to Central for high school, so it had to have been middle school. In middle school JEC, my mother said she had a teacher who made them memorize the Shir Shoyom of every day. Wow. It's an interesting choice of something to get your students to memorize. We had to memorize yeah. Alan Nisim for Hanukkah, but that was it. Also interesting choice. Also interesting. How about you, Rabbi Brody? See, they didn't make us memorize anything. <laughs> you know what we had to memorize in school? We had to memorize the the uh, table of elements. Interesting. Is, I'm saying, when does the average person need to invoke the 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 table of elements? By their, Maybe you could ask that about a lot of things that you and I learned in school. That really, I mean, again, there's there's incredible knowledge. It expands our minds. It builds us into who we are. But there's a lot of what we did in school that, in retrospect, could have been spent doing other things. I'll never forget. You know how we did it? We made up a song. I still remember it. I know all Treasar in order. I still remember what we had to memorize. We had to memorize the answers to one of the tests. I'll, still, I'll never forget it was M or an O. So it was Mo, 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 O, O, Mo. M, O, M, O. Ask anyone from the class that's listening right now. They'll tell you. Mo, 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 Mo. We're going to welcome our special guest any moment. Excited to have him. But before he gets here, we already have a few of our listeners who've commented in our comments. And we always welcome your questions, your comments, your insights, anything you want to know about us. We're an open book. We love to share. So please, uh, we'd love if you'd please uh, share your comments. You can do it on YouTube or Facebook. We'll see it uh, aggregated together here. So several commentators, Rabbi Moskowitz, have brought up and want to know how you feel about the Heat's uh, victory over the Boston <laughs> Celtics. Are there several comments from the fact checker by any chance? Who, uh, mm. um, 
No, we've got from previous multiple sponsor, Oracle, Sal okay. Abadi or Sal Abadi. He's commented. So, we so, saw our dear friend Mark Weinschneider, Mordechai Weinschneider. I, I'll tell you this much. It feels nice to have a fun distraction. For all of quarantine, it was, it was really heavy. There was a lot of sorrow. There's a lot of sadness. You didn't have sports to distract you. Um, and even as we're approaching Elul, there's something really nice about um, about having a little bit of a distraction. For me personally, it's also a point of connection with my son. Um, right. It's an opportunity for him and I to bond over that. Um, I thought you were going to ask me about the Patriots. Patriots who are 1-0. I don't even know who Tom Brady is anymore. All mm. I know is Cam Newton's the new man in town, and the Patriots are marching their way back to the Super Bowl. So it's nice to have a little healthy distraction every now and then, well, everything in no. moderation, as you said. It's an interesting, you know, sports is a little bit of a frivolous conversation. So, you know, behind the Bima, we like to focus, particularly Erev Hashanah, on things of meaning. So I'll try to put it in a meaningful context. And again, our special guest is going to join us any minute. We can't wait for him to arrive. But um, in another WhatsApp group, one of the 170, I think we're up to, that you and I overlap in, there was a conversation about how you felt about Tom Brady since he defected from the Patriots. You did not have a lot of uh, kind things to say, not a lot of love lost between you. And the question that was posed to you, I think it was the fact checker actually, who um, thought that it perhaps displayed a little bit of ingratitude after all that Tom Brady did for that franchise, that team. Um, even for you, when you went through a hard time, the Patriots sent you a, a, a letter. So, you know, was that a, a lack of gratitude to recognize and appreciate Tom Brady, even though he's made a career choice, a lynch choice? First of all, Joe Paul and Willie Hockman, listen, Rabbi Moskowitz doesn't believe in defecting, getting <laughs> to another team. He believes that when you're on a team, you stick with that team, stick that's your legacy, team. that team, and you don't go anywhere else. So Rabbi Moskowitz, you better keep to that. But in the meantime, hold that thought. We're going to come back to it in a moment, because right now we have the very special opportunity to welcome an amazing guest, somebody who I've known uh, literally without exaggeration, and there's our literally Shulson, but we've known him uh, my entire life, Rabbi Yisrael Kamenetsky. I always knew him as Yissi Kamenetsky. Um, really, uh, oh, Rabbi Kamenetsky, is that feedback coming from your computer or one of our computers? The sound? Uh... That's all right. It's probably my wife teaching in the other room. Oh, beautiful. The sounds of total teaching, total learning. Not sure where it's coming from. We're okay. But uh, Rabbi Kamenetsky, I've known my entire life. Grew up uh, around the corner. Our parents, dear friends, our grandparents' friends, and now our children' friends. And one day, please get our grandchildren' friends, which is uh, really, really special. Rabbi Kamenetsky, everybody knows him. And he needs no introduction. Founding Menachem of DRS, and um, also the Rosh Hashiva of the entire Halb system. Um, Inspiring transformational personality for so many lives of young men in CSY Colo and CSY and uh, so so many other places. So, Rabbi Kamenetsky, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for being here tonight. Wow, uh, the honor is uh, is truly mine. Um, it's uh, a to be part of uh, such a amazing dynamic kahila group of uh, rabbanim. I've had the pleasure and privilege of visiting uh, BRS. Many, many times, and uh, it's an amazing place. It's uh, it's always exciting to be there in every every program, every everything you're doing. Uh, it's it's just for me. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. We know it's a busy time, and you wear many hats. You're a Rosh Hashiva Menahel of uh, a large and growing uh, Boys Yeshiva High School and a whole network of schools. You're also planning Yom Noraim Davening. DRS is having a minion this Rosh Hashanah. We are. We are having, we've had already uh, for more than uh, approximately 20 years, 21 years, we've had uh, a davening at the yeshiva. 
it's uh, it's it's been a very very special endeavor started with a few people and uh thank god has grown very much over the years it'll be a little different this year uh, but yeah we are having we're actually having two minyanim usually we have a uh, one minion in the base managers you are having two minyanim in the gym in the base managers to be able to accommodate more people that's great so maybe we'll start with that tell us about what's different this year how is it being arranged differently are you cutting out parts of davening as a as a baltfila who is beloved like your father zikrona lavracha before you and uh, like like many of your like your siblings, um, how are you preparing differently this year? Do you have to cut things out? Are you not singing as much? Are you not expecting the seaboard to sing as much with you? Yeah, all of the above. Um, we certainly are uh, cutting out uh, parts of davening. We're not cutting out that much. We're we're starting from nishmas. Uh, some people aren't so happy wearing a mask the whole davening. We're going to be requiring a masking the whole davening. Um, but we're planning on having a, a four-hour davening from Nishmas until the end, 8.15 to 12.15. Hopefully, we'll cut out a little bit, cut out the Mishaberachs, uh, cut the drasha a little bit. Uh, well, you know, we're, we're going to try to do what we can. But uh, the people who come to daven with us, and I think in general, Rosh Hashanah davening for people, people are, I'm sure you know this, but people are really, really uh, protective and very vociferous about their Rosh Hashanah davenings. Like if you've davened in a certain place for a lot of years and you, right. and you go to a different place and they're, they're not singing your Nigunim, you feel so out of place. You feel, I remember myself having having felt that so many times. When, when people get used to their Minhagim, there's something about the Yom Noraim that's just so, you know, it brings people in, the, the melodies, what you're used to, you, you, your, your home, your your feelings during the during these these the times of the serious prayers. If you don't have those nigunim, so I think our people are just as you know, just as uh, as strong minded about this as anybody. And 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 the nigunim, I, I got, I've gotten a couple of emails. Just there's some people who can't be with us this year who've been with us for 15, 17 years. They mm. and they're they're ripping their hair, hair out, but uh, for various reasons. But um, so yeah, we're, we're going to try to keep it as as uh you know uh, similar to the regular davenings because people it's a serious time of year people right. love the davening they appreciate that i know i know from my brother shimmy's davening and in in, uh, in in brs i know i know you know it's similar where it is by you people there's certain traditions and customs that people just don't Absolutely. it's so important and and it's such a it, it could be transformative you know the, these davenings so 100%, 100%. Just try to keep it as as similar as possible since you mentioned your brother Shimmy, by the way, indispensable, we we could not be getting through this time, not only without Shimmy, but your nephew Moshe Kamenetsky, modest, humble, quiet. He is the hero of Corona of Booker Tone Synagogue. We'd be absolutely lost, absolutely lost without him. So if Willie Hachman and Joel Paul, if you're listening, Shimmy Kamenetsky is also off limits. Don't touch him. Don't talk to him. Don't call him. Don't say, don't say good yon to him. So Rabbi Kamenetsky, t- take us behind the bima as a baltfila. How do you get ready for the Yom Narayim? Do, do you, aside from looking at the davening and choosing what niggin to use, are you figuring out what words you're going to get lost in the kavanas? Is there a learning you do? Is there a kavana, a, a meditation, a mindfulness when you get up there for that hinani? Take us behind the bima of, of how somebody like you prepares for Rosh Hashanah. It's, uh, it's, it's such a great question. Um, you know, it's like you can do all the preparation, and then when you walk up there, it's it's uh, it, it almost it, certainly all all the things that you mentioned, and and I think that even though I've now been davening for Yom Naraim for many years, it's, it goes back from before you know before here. I was davening in the past in Passaic, and 
and in Tinek, and I've davened for the Elm for many, many, many years. And certainly some things get a little easier as the years go on. And, and But that feeling of walking up in the beginning and representing at Seabur and realizing, and I, I would say that this year, you know, you, you, there's some years where you just feel like you, you're walking up to the Bema. And, and uh, some years you're always feeling, uh, certainly the year after my father passed away, it's certain years that, that you know that, you know, you just feel like, well, what did I do wrong last year? You know, mm-hmm. I have a feeling that a lot of the Bali feel are going to be walking up this year to the to the to the ombud saying, "We, I think we have, we need to make some adjustments from what uh, from what happened last year." I mean, but uh, those feelings—the only way to prepare for it is is to realize that uh, that that you're only an agent of the tzibur. That's why you're a shliach tzibur. I say the same thing every year. My introductory words to the tzibur. And it's really true, and people think it's just a line, but it's it's really, I really firmly believe it. The Chazan's job is is not to put on a performance. It's not to, and and it's not to to get up there with the Chazanas and have people sit there and be in awe of. And, and the the good news is that I don't have such a nice voice, so so the truth is no one could possibly be uh, be uh, uh, taken away by my. Uh, my baritone or my, uh, my I, that, that's not the way, the way I do it. And that's that I, I, so I don't have that problem, but um, it, it's really just to be, to be a facilitator, to be a conductor, to try to, to try to dive in, in a way that you, you try to connect with what's in people's hearts and, mm. and thing in a way that to try to bring out from people, what their feelings are, not to be like a leader, as much as a conductor, as much as somebody who, who tries to bring the tzibur in with him, and 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 I, I really feel strongly. There's a certain humility that you have, and the whole Hinnity, If you think about what Hinnity is, it's basically and and I would dare say some some of the postings said to cut out Hinnity. and 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 I and I hear it from a from a purely halachic point of view. But I, you know, when I spoke to my Rebbe Rabbi Willig about this, he said that would be a disaster because. Hinnity is, while technically speaking, it is a prayer of the of the chazan, but it, the truth is, it encapsulates everything that a baltfila really is and is supposed to be, and that is that Rabboni Shalom don't hold my deficiencies against the tzibur. I, I'm just here as an agent, and I'm just here to try to bring out the tefillos of everybody else. And there's a certain humility that I think that the great Bali tefila come up having a certain aimsa de tzibur, a certain awe of the of the of the of the tzibur, of the kehillah, and realize you're just an agent of them. And, and I think that that's one of the reasons people like to dive in an Arminian. It's that the Bali tefillah don't, we're not there to, to show mm-hmm. off. We're not there. We're, we're there just to try to facilitate, to be conductors, to be facilitators, and to try to let let the natural feelings of the tzibur join in. Absolutely. Rabbi, Rabbi Kamenetsky, I want to take a little bit of a turn. First of all, I want to thank you for being here. And, uh, and thank you publicly. Um, you probably don't even know this, but I was a little kid on NCSY Colo many years ago. Um, I was not necessarily on the rabbi track. And uh, you were um, very instrumental in, uh, in putting me on the path that I am now. So I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, your father was one of the most extraordinary people I've ever met. I didn't know him very well, but, uh, but I knew him from his visits down here. I got to interact with him in Bergenfield a number of times. And, and I've really never in my life seen someone care so much about children and be able to draw children in as much as your father was able to. Um, he understood children in a way that, that I, I personally can't. Um, I've a, I won't share it now, but I have a personal incident with one of my children where your father was very helpful. Um, tell me what it was like growing up with a father who was so 
profoundly wise when it comes to education, what you learned from him and how you try to incorporate that into who you are, how you educate and how you interact with, uh, with your fellow Talmudim. How many hours is this uh, show? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I guess I'll, uh, I'll just try to encapsulate it by, by saying that, um, um, on the last day of the Shiva, so it was a rabbi who came in and, and, and gave us encouragement about trying to accept upon ourselves to, uh, you know, something that our father used to do or something that he, 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 he excelled in. So I like to joke that I took upon myself two things in memory of my father. One of them was the easy one. And one of them was the hard one. The easy one was Dafiomi. That was the easy one. The, the hard one was my father um, had a way of excelling at what the Mishnah says. And it's pretty much what you, what you just said, uh, Rabbi Phil. Um, it's, it's just so simple, but have a kola adam saver panim yafos. I mean, I don't know anyone, like you said, I don't know anyone who excelled more at being mekabel kol adam, regardless of who you were, besaver panim yafos. Most people like they meet people after davening, or they they meet a person here or there, or 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 a student comes into a school, or so the kid is passing through. But my father just had a gift; he had a gift of of really connecting with people, really making people feel valuable, and keeping up with them, and remembering about them. And he'd he'd go down to Boca and meet you after davening, and the next yantif he'd remember what what he talked with you about the previous yantif. Was just and and it's not like he was brilliant. My father was not a was not a brilliant scholar. He he, he, but but he just he just really cared. He had a natural he had a natural way, way a natural way that flowed out of him of of just really sincerely caring and and in, in a very poor way. You know, I'm I'm like uh, like afterwards I kept on repeating the words from the famous uh, song. I think it's a guy Dan Fogelberg. My life has been a poor attempt to, to imitate the man. You know, I I I, I feel like. Um, I feel like uh, woefully inadequate in trying to in trying to follow that. But our whole family, look, you know, Shimmy, you know, he certainly has as aspects of that. Um, we all we all have aspects of of really, you know, trying to to, to follow that. And certainly in school, my my career in Chinuch, um, like I said, the only reason I got the job, you know, is because in my house, Chinuch was like breakfast, lunch, and supper. That was. You know, caring about people and and lifting people up. My father had a gift of lifting people up. Um, it's actually on my desk. There was a recently a book of a little bit of a different style of a person who was actually a friend of my dad's. This Rabbi Trank. I, I wasn't planning this, but just love them. I mean, Rabbi Rabbi uh, Rabbi Rabbi um, 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 the, the 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 Rabbi Fendel, who was the principal of Hank for many years, is in his nineties in Israel. We're now married into the family. My son married his granddaughter. Also said, your father had the, the key ingredient, the secret of Chinuch. He just loved every kid that ever came into his classroom, that ever came into his He just loved every kid. It's just, it's a gift, you know. It didn't matter whether the kid, annoyed, you know, some of the kids in school, they annoy you. And some of the parents are more annoying than others. They they are. But my father just saw through all that. It just, he, he had a, he had a way of seeing and he knew how to lift people up. And, and I think that that is, if there's a goal in Chinuch, it's, it's, I say a lot of times it's it's to lift a child up. It's to lift a student up. It's to, it's to allow a student, a child, to see who they could be. My father always had a vision of who people could be. And look, you know, as as Rabbi Goldberg said, you know, we, we grew up in, you know, so close. The families were so close. And and I I know that 
each one of the members of Rabbi Goldberg's family to my father was like was like a gem, was like a was like a pride. And and you see how each child turned out. You see how everybody developed. And just he had that way of seeing you as the gem that you never really believed that you could be. And when you have when you grow up in a family like that, it's like you know you, you just you're you're naturally you naturally live an elevated life. You just naturally live a life of 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 feeling that you're you live your life above the rim you know you you just you because because you have somebody who just gives you that chizik and support and positive you know and and positive feeling and growth all the time so you almost have like you have no choice but to see yourself that way and i mean in the shiva house i mean i could go like i said it there there was like lines out the door of people who we didn't we didn't know we didn't know my father had a connection with who who just came and said, your father always made me feel like a million bucks. Your father's the reason why I know how to lay in. Your father's the reason I know how to dive in. Your father's the reason I'm a god by now. I mean, whatever, it could go on and on. But the, the gift, I, I think that the take-home message for people watching, I mean, that's that's we're not just here to be nostalgic, but the, the take-home message for people watching is that when you have a positive, an ayin tova, a positive eye about people, a positive eye on lifting up people. And look, that's one of the reasons why Rabbi Goldberg and you and, and you, Rabbi Phil and Rabbi Josh, we gotta give a little shout out to Rabbi Rabbi Josh and Simone back in the uh, New Jersey NCSY days. Great, great times. But that's that's why you guys are so successful in BRS also, because you always see the good in people. You see the good in and there's all kinds of different people in the world, but the goal is to try to lift people up, to see people as bigger than they are. That's not, there's no there's no I'm question sure. that uh, I know Rabbi Brody has a question. But I'm going to jump in for one second. Uh, obviously, that's what he excelled at, what you just described so so accurately and perfectly. I, I had a not nearly as close as you and your family uh, close up seat, but I, I served as his assistant for a few years in the team minion and Teenek and Bnei Yisur and and just and watched and learned and so much of of who I am in Avodah Zakodesh was seeing his gentility and his love and his affection. And he, you know, kids were talking, he would never yell, criticize, put them down, raise his voice. Instead, he'd put a hand on the shoulder, a hand around, show them the place. Did, did you lose the place? Or did you forget we're in the middle of davening? It was just a whole method and it came so naturally. And I think so much of his success was showing up, walking around town to bar mitzvahs, humbly, modestly, blending in, but showing up. And and to so many of the families of Tinek of my generation, he was an icon. He is an icon, and he continues to inspire us. But Raviyasi, you clearly have, and, and your whole family are, are his walking legacy, because I know that 20, 30 years later, somebody reached out to us today when they saw you were going to be our guest tonight. Um, it said 20, 30 years later, they were on NCSY Kolo 20, 30 years ago, and you asked their Hebrew name, and they've seen you now decades later, and you remember their full Hebrew name. And you refer to them, and that means something to people that you know their name. It means something literally and figuratively. But so much of your success has also been putting your hand on someone's shoulder, putting your arm around the Talmud, the love, the affection, and and the energy. How has Corona limited you? How has it been difficult in a high school setting to be able to connect? There are masks, there's barriers, there's walls, there's an inability to come within six feet, let alone put an arm around or hold hands and dance and, and feel a ruach. Your whole life is defined by, by, by ruach, informal, formal. There's no dividing the two. They overlap. How have you been able to bridge that gap or over, overcome that those limits during this crazy, crazy time? I sort of, I, I sort of compare it to, so you know, especially deal with high school kids. Oh, you know, Rabbi Gober, you and I once had a discussion about, about uh, you enjoy dealing with adults, don't you know? And and I and I, I would, I would, I would. To me, I, I, I love the fact that I, did, I deal with mostly with kids, and but uh, 
but I feel like I'm running school with both hands tied behind my back, honestly, because of all the reasons that you that you just uh, enumerated. On the other hand, as we just said, and again, I, I one of the traits that I inherited from my father is always trying to see the positive in every in every situation. So you, we gotta we gotta remain positive. You know, we have to remain positive. You're right. We're running the school with both hands tied behind our backs. But at the same time, I feel like, and so far, again, we've only been in school for seven or eight days under this, and we're, we're all happy that we're in school and we're praying that we stay in school. And, and every time a kid has the sniffles, we're like, we're all like getting together, saying to Hillam to make sure that test comes back <laughs> negative. And that's just today has been a kid out for a week. And like, we're, we're like getting nervous because, oh, negative test, la Yehudim, you know, so we're, we're back, we're back in school forever. The whole grade is back in school for another day. Um, but, you know, Rabbi Goldberg, what, a lot of it, what it is also is that even if you don't have that, that hand on the back and that stuff, it's, this is the way my father was. You know, the, kids, the kids feel what's in your heart also about them. They feel what's in your heart. They, they get it. You know, we're, we're doing like air pump. We're doing air. We, 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 now we, do, we used to do like fist pumps or high fives. We're now doing air. We're doing the air the air fist pumps or the air elbow, you know, our doctors won't even, they won't let us do the elbow thing. We even can't even do that. Cause you know, getting too close, Xera Atu, you know, you can't do that. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but, you know, so, but, but they, they, they appreciate being together. Mostly they appreciate being together with each other. Let's, let's call a spade a spade. They, the kids appreciate being together with each other and they know how much their rebbies and teachers care about them and 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 we've tried to create an atmosphere in the school where the kids know how much we care about them how much how much they mean to us and even if we can't show it in the ways that we are used to showing it we have to show it in other in other ways we have to show it in in, in a caring way and and the way we talk to them and and the way we smile at them and yeah the mask you know that's why we have these barriers in school we have barriers at least they could you know we can take the mask down behind the barrier and and show the smile and show the care our school invested a tremendous amount of money in allowing the kids to sit without masks, even though they're behind barriers. Every every desk, sort of, and the way we've done is every desk is sort of barriered, barriered in on on on, on most of the sides, and and uh, and uh, so we want this to see the smiles, they see the care, they they hear it in our voices. So if we can't do it that way, I was thinking of the you know the Ichai Rebo uh, lyrics of you know. You know, it's, you have to, you have to, you have to understand, you know, we have to figure out what is, you know, what is our avoda here, but whatever it is, I, I, and, and I've been very strong with this with my staff and the kids all the time. We have to be positive. This is what the Rabbanu Shalom wants from us. So then obviously this is what we're supposed to be doing. There's a way to do it. And, and if I set the world up in a way that we have to be mechanic our kids in this way right now from a little bit of a distance, then that's what he wants. And we're going to throw ourselves into it 150% with a positive attitude and do it the best that we can. So, yeah, it's one hand behind the back, but uh, but but they still feel the sincerity and the care, and, and they know how much we care. Then we put in hundreds of hours over the summer getting everything ready for them. So hopefully Hashem will see our efforts, and and he'll reward us with, with continued health and continue being able to get closer again. Amen. That's amazing. So, again, I wasn't on NCSY Cola like Rabbi Moskowitz. I, we went to a different program, but there's no question that that the that Rabbi Kamenevsky and uh, his wife and we were very blessed to have just an incredible group of advisors, right? And look at where they all all are today. I mean, it's amazing. They really are running the Jewish world. And you know, Simone and I even just found a letter 
that one of you guys, you know, one of the Hever wrote to us and we're looking back and it really, really put us in a, in a, in a, in, into a very special place and, and perhaps even trajectory someplace we never even imagined we would both be. But, you know, I'm just thinking between your father, your grandfather, you know, we always talk about how none of us were ever on the rabbinic track until it happened and some magic moment happened. Were you always on that track? And also, you know, that pressure that maybe there was or wasn't, but what is it? Are any of your kids feeling a certain pressure? You know, look at what my grandfather did, my great-grandfather did, my father, and now I'm, I'm the next Kamenetsky. What, what am I going to do? That's that's such a such a great question, and the answer really is what um, you know. My sister once said at, at at a Manhattan Day School dinner. My dad was a principal in Manhattan Day School for a lot of years, and um, the answer about why we didn't feel that way is like. And, and I know there are many rabbinic families where there's a lot of pressure, and there's the whole fishbowl thing, and there's the rabbi's kids and RSS rabbi son syndrome. We talk about it all the time. There's all all that kind of stuff. You know, I think that one of the reasons why we weren't we were a little bit shielded from that was because again, because of my father's positive attitude about everything. Like <laughs> my father just had such a positive attitude on the Jewish community. We never, and we never heard the dirt of the Jew. It's not like there wasn't dirt. There was dirt in school. There, there was dirt. And there's there, there you always hear that, but, but we never felt that way. We felt like my father felt it was the greatest privilege in the world to serve the Jewish community. It was natural that we would go into those kinds of fields because because we, we saw my father loving it and my father enjoyed his role with the people. My father, you know, I, I, like retirement, that was a joke. My, my father was, was thrilled. He was seven. My father worked on the very last day of his life. All he wanted, he was the happiest guy in the world that at 73, the yeshiva had renewed his contract for <laughs> years. They were going to let him come and dive in with the sixth grade and seventh grade boys for another two years. I mean, you would think a guy after 73, I mean, they made a video about how he he interacted with with ten year olds and eleven year olds, and and that they were that he was relevant in their life. Mm. It's incredible, but but he had, he was so positive. He was he was so so for us. It was like it was like it, it was it was such a smooth, natural idea for us to go into the cloud work because we 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 grew up loving it. It was it was all year long. We had no vacate. We never took vacations. There no, my father was all year school, all summer camp. The Shabbos was youth minion. There was. There was no vacation. There was no time off. It was serving the cloud 24-7, but he loved it, and he lived it, and it was his chiyas, and, 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 and he was such a positive person. So we, you grow up in an atmosphere where serving the cloud is viewed as such a privilege, is, is viewed as such a, a, lofty, a lofty endeavor, is such, such a positive thing. So it was natural. Now, again, my kids, um, it, looks like, you know, it looks like most of them are headed, headed in the same way, but if you have a happy home, if the home is a happy home and it's a positive home and it's a joyous home, and my wife is the one who you know makes sure that it's always there's always fun going on. You know, if it was up to me, you know, we would we wouldn't do anything, go anywhere. We'd, we'd be locked in my office all the time. But thank God, my wife understands that the kids have to be normal. Um, so uh, so you know, it, it's really the way, and, and I think it's really important for rabbis. I think it's really important. And Rabbi Goldberg and I once also had a little bit of a discussion about this there was a there's a certain rabbi who, who who wrote probably on social media wrote about uh you know that that the reason why rabbis have life so difficult is because no one ever says thank you to them you know and that, that got me that got me very upset it got me very upset any rabbi who's in this for the thank yous doesn't 
doesn't understand the, the, the ABCs about what it means to serve the community. We're, we're not, and I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I understand every, everybody. Look, I like anybody else. Everybody likes to get a pat on the, everybody likes to get a, get a thank you, get a nice email, get a pat on the back. And, and, but, but that's not, that's not what we're in it here for. That's not what we're doing here. We're doing, it should, a person should feel it's the greatest privilege in the world to serve the Jewish people, to, to be involved in helping people, to have a lifetime filled with, with, with helping people grow and helping develop there's only Rabbi Moshe Weinberger likes to say there's only one profession in all of Tanakh that's referred to as Meleches Hashem. Gemara Bava Basis is Osir Osa Meleches Hashem Ramiya, talking about a Rebbe who gets something wrong, actually. Rebbe, it's like the Rebbe gets, if a Rebbe gets something wrong, the Gemara Bava Basis is going to be all kinds of curses. Pussing in Yumiyo. Osir Osa Meleches Hashem Ramiya. Weinberger likes to say, You're a Machanech, you're, you're helping the Jewish community. It's Meleches Hashem. How could there be a greater, there couldn't be a greater pat on the back than that, 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 that a person spends his life serving the class, serving the community. So that's the home that, that, I, that I grew up in. And, and, and that's the attitude. I'm not looking for thank yous from presidents or board members or, or parents. You know, you wake up in the morning and you say, Hashem, you have the privilege of serving the Jewish community. There's no greater pat on the back that a person could have than that, that you know you're living your life every moment serving Hashem's people and helping Hashem's people grow and bringing Hashem's people closer to Torah and Yiddishkeit. There's no greater, there's no greater profession than that. There's no greater. So I think that that's why, you know, if my kids want to go into it, yes, no, no, that's up to them, but, but that they should get from me the, the beauty and the, and the, and the privilege and the, and the positivity of, of being a servant of the Jewish community. To me, there's no greater blessing than that. There's so many powerful lessons that came out of tonight. Rabbi Yisrael Kamenetsky, I want to thank you so much for joining us, for being with us. I do want to mention, of course, your father um, had such an impact on, on all of us and, and on you, but Yibad Chaim Tovim, of course, your mom also an equal partner and a powerhouse in her own right in, in our lives and a source of influence, and she should live and be well and have a lot of nachas from you. And uh, we want to thank you. It's a very, very busy time of year, but what powerful images that you painted. I think you personally just recruited dozens of people to Avodah Zakodesh tonight just in these few minutes. <laughs> It's the description that you gave. I know that you made me feel excited and good and positive and happy and made me really think about the kind of energy that we portray to our children and, and what the legacy we're going to leave in that area. And I think, um, you know, you really are an embodiment of all that your father stood for. I want to thank you for your positive energy and for the impact you've had on us and had on generations of young people that you've taught formally and informally. And hopefully we'll all learn that lesson tonight of, of just be positive and be real. Your father was very real. And, you know, when people think about Rabbi Yisrael Kamenetsky, they think about the real deal. You and all your siblings, the Kamenetsky family is just, just the real deal. Practice what you preach, humble, modest, down-to-earth, the real deal, sincere, authentic, genuine. No mask can block being sincere and genuine. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for being with us tonight. Should be Aksiva Chasimatova and the good Gebenz for you and your whole family. Just want to tell you guys, you guys do such a such an unbelievable job there in, in BRSC. Your shul is is the envy of, of many, many places. And uh, is, and it's because of the same, you have the same ideals, that there's a humility and there's an understanding and, and a privilege of, of leading. So you should also keep on doing all the great work that you're doing and keep on inspiring. And hopefully we should be Zoha to uh, to celebrate together in Yerushalayim. All of our, accept all of our tefillos, we shall be safe and healthy and we should be, we should be Zoha to... To, to finally see the, the end of the Gullus and celebrate together in Yushalayim. Amen. Amen. A good yantif. Thanks so much, Thank Rabbi. Very much. Thank you. Wow. wow. Amazing. Wow. That was the best. Pumped up right now. 
He's the best. He has right? no idea how how badly some of us needed that message. Yeah, I, I was about to say, isn't Hashem amazing that it's this week that we chose Rabbi Kamenetsky and that somehow that's the conversation that ended up happening and how, how needed, how important it is, you know, going into Rosh Hashanah, the new year, positivity, right. optimism, hope, the good, even when he, it, it was a little bit of musr, unintended, but like, you know, remember why you're in it. Don't right. wait for the pat on the back. And wow, that mm-hmm. was really powerful. Really That's powerful. What do, what do I had so many other it? questions for him also. Um, you know, one of the other things that Rabbi Kamenetsky has been a mentor, and again, he doesn't even realize, and I even got a text right now that someone had him as a 10th grade Rebbe, doesn't even know this, changed his life. I mean, you know, the stories will go on, but, um, you know, when I was in Smicha, um, there, there weren't a lot of, I shouldn't say that, the, there were a few people that I looked to who were both educators, who were very involved in the community, but remained very grounded as B'nai Torah, growth-oriented, and in the base medrash. And what Rabbi Kamenetsky really created at DRS with this paradigm was where you could be a teacher, but the expectation was teaching wasn't going to take you away from the base medrash. Teaching was going to put you back into the base medrash. And, you know, I know he keeps a crazy schedule. I know he gets up really early in the morning to be able to learn. And, um, you know, for me, that's always been an inspiration of someone who gives himself over to the cloud, but continues to invest in his own learning and his own growth and really always views himself as rooted in the base medrash, even though he has a myriad of obligations throughout the day. Exactly. The real deal. He is the real deal. And you could throw in a great ball player, I think, which also helped him connect with kids. So really amazing. I'm so glad that he came on. So we have a lot more to talk about in a little time, which is what we find ourselves uh, saying each and every week. So let me ask both of you, what what was the highlight of Tough Shin Pei? Five, seven, eight zeros coming to an end. We got a couple days left. Maybe the highlights yet to happen. But was there a highlight? Anything that stands out when you look back on your year? The year is dominated by Corona because the last six months is dominated by pandemic, quarantine, distancing. It's been dominated by some of the, the negativity we had to live with. But when you reflect back on this year, because I think we make a mistake a little bit that we, Rosh Hashanah, we're, we're very focused on the next year and the Kabbalahs, and those are really important. Or we're reflecting back on the year from where did I go wrong? How did I mess up? What do I need to improve? What do I need to repair? But also pausing to just say, you know, here are the things that went right this year. Here's what I can be proud of. Here are the things that are great. I'm, I'm just basically buying you both some time. What, what's the highlight of the year? You look back, 5780, tough shin pay. What is the highlight? Um, so I'll jump in. Rabbi Brody, you can go first. No, 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 go ahead. I was doing no, like I a- was actually I was thinking about this the other night because we had we had his Bodida section uh, session at BRS where we went out into the into the fields and we spoke to Hashem. And I was reflecting about what I spoke to Hashem about last year. And the things that I had asked for, the things that were on my mind, the things that that were worrying me, and, and and how the conversation had shifted a little bit to this year. And I really reflected upon, you know, the things that were worrying me and, and what happened this year and how some of those things evolved. For me, far and away, um, the most memorable part of Tafshin Pei is Shabbos. Um, certainly mm-hmm. once COVID hit, um, I will forever cherish and remember the Shabbos I had with my family, the Yantiv I had with my family, the walks, the Shabbos meals, the Shalashudases, the conversations, the ability to connect, um, really the ability to invest in my children in a way that simply because life gets in the way and obligations and you know we work on Shabbos um, was we were unable to do previously. But that stimulated so much growth in other areas for me personally that uh, far and away, I would say Shabbos, Shabbos meal, Shabbos walks, and Shabbos is going to be the most memorable part of Tush and Pei. 
Those are big takeaways, and that's great. Is there a particular moment? I'm just, I'm not, I'm not pushing you, but is there a moment? Is there an experience? Is there an event? Is there something that you bought that you use every day? Is there, just curious, looking back on that year? Um, you know, listen, obviously, um, I took on writing this year a little bit more, which was a, which was a big shift for me. Um, it's something that I, I didn't realize how much I would appreciate, but actually enjoy doing. And it's a very different art and very different skill than speaking, I'm sure, as you know. And, and there's a different sipak on efesh. There's a different joy you get from writing than from, from speaking. So I've enjoyed that a lot. Um, but again, it, it, it's, it's sitting out um, on my back patio on Shabbos afternoons, at Shalashudas and singing with my children, um, the moment of looking up at the sky, at the sunset, reflecting upon Hashem creation, our role in this world, our job in this world, being surrounded, you know, thank God not everyone has this, and I'm very aware of that, but uh, being surrounded by my children and my family, um, those moments um, were just very precious moments, and it really caused me to, to reevaluate, recalibrate, um, and, and appreciate things that we always talk about appreciating, but until you're right. in the moment, you can't really fully appreciate. Absolutely. Rabbi Brody, Tough Shinpei, 5780. This year was a transformative. It's not, not, not even, you know, the year, the last six months, totally uh, transformed everything, my outlook, and just understanding that things could shut down in a moment. Um, and I guess the problem was, if you would have told me back in March, listen, we're going to be shut down for six months, probably would have planned this a little bit better and said, yeah, okay, I can do this project now knowing I'm going to have six months to work on it. You know, let me work on this or let me work on that. But it never was like that. It was always like, okay, we have a month and then we might have another few weeks and then we might have another month and it just kept getting extended. But during that time, there were always these moments where I was able to find projects that I've always wanted to do. I'll just give you an example. And I kind of maybe learned this from both of you, you know, learning how to digitize everything. I, I don't have any more paper. Everything is is digitized. Finally, I, I close to 10,000 photographs, which none of us are ever able to locate because they're always in different boxes and whenever they need one, they're all being scanned. They're all being put in, in, in the cloud right now, which we can share now with the family. And all these different things from just learning different instruments and just having more time. But, but, but for me, it's really that one point. It's just understand that things can change in an instant. Things can right. change. And what's the next five years going to look like? Understanding that things can change, and I'm ready. First of all, don't take our Rosh Hashanah drushes right now. But those are those are two great answers. What's interesting is for both of you, when you reflect on the year that was, it's it's Corona time, the lessons, the experiences, the gains. Um, I was thinking about this earlier today, which is why I raised it. And for me, it's actually before Corona. First of all, you know, Baruch Hashem, and again, I don't take this for granted, and I, I share this sensitively and with the wishes that everybody should know from such joy. But, you know, Baruch Hashem, in this last year, we were able to make our second wedding. Our second daughter got married. I think uh, I think the Behind the Bima audience met Kari before anybody else. She's watching. Hey, Jake. Hey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> There you go, Brody. Always, always playing catch up. So we we had a beautiful wedding at Tar and Kalev, uh, and we're very grateful to Hashem. But earlier this year, and it's almost a year ago, um, I became a Zayda. I became a grandfather. And again, I wish that for everybody that should know the simcha, the joy, the happiness. Um, but it's um, you know it's hard to it's hard to see past Corona. Corona so clouds our vision, and it so dominates everything that we think about that it's hard to even see past it. But but I'm trying to look past it and remember the year before that and some of the highlights. And for me, that was a, a major highlight. My daughter uh, had the baby on, uh, had my grandson, Ari Tzvi, on uh, Erev Yom Kippur. 
Erev and Yom it Kippur. was a it was a crazy experience. It was Erev Yom Kippur. Yeah, and exactly when the bris, we flew to Israel. I flew to Israel for one night for the bris, made it back for Sukkot. It was a crazy, crazy time. You were able to hop on a plane to Israel for one night at that time without filling out four hundred forms and being interrogate, interrogated. So um, it was a good year. But here, here's the corollary of the question, which is, what's your big audacious goal for Tufshin Pei Aleph? Tufshin Pei Aleph. You know, there's um, Sharma, one of the great uh, motivational speakers. He says, don't live the same year 75 times and call it a life. It's a great quote. Don't live the same year 75 times in a row and call it a life. Yeah. If you're 75, 80, 120 years old, each year should represent having made progress, advance, change, grow. So you're going into the future year, you got to have a vision. The I same way it. that our, you know, the people we know successful in business, they've got, you know, their quarter, their, their, they're half a year. They've got the annual. They're looking at revenue, profits. They want to know year over year how they're going to grow their business. How are we growing our spiritual business? Learning, davening, midos, kindness, loving relationships. So what's your big, bad, audacious goal? Is that a good to great term? Where's that from? Which one of those books? The big, bad, it's audacious goal. My what's, goal. What's your yeah? What's your big goal? My goal is to raise a ton of money to promote this Jewish community. We've got the greatest Jewish community in the United States. There's so many things going on and no one knows where to find them. We've created a platform now, but now it's coming to the PR moment and it's going to take a lot of money. You're going to see us everywhere. You're going to TV, magazines, all types of digital media, print media, and it's going to take a lot of money and we're going to raise that money. What, what's the goal though of promoting our community? To engage the 100,000 plus Jews that say they don't know what's going on. Ah, so in other words, the point is not promoting our community as if like earning a name and, and the reputation. It's no, outreach. We want to move the needle. Move the needle in the biggest way. This is it. This is the year yeah, we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna do this. We're doing we got we next five years. Push it. Like no one's one of, our, one of our loyal listeners, Gila Stern writes, I can't remember what I did on Wednesday nights before <laughs> Corona. When you talk about camp being able to you can't see that far back. Who who remembers Wednesday nights before? Corona, my Wednesday night Chavrusa does, but don't worry, we, we make it up. We learn another time. Yeah, Matt, what about what's you? your, what's no, your you big, go bad, audacious go goal? I'll go after you. You go first. Um, I, I've been thinking a lot about it, and I think that you have to have goals in a lot of areas of your life. You have to have goals, relationships in your life, and I'll follow up on what you said earlier, which is to keep that Shabbos table, Shabbos meal, Shalash, this time with family going. It's a big goal, is to not let Corona be the exception or aberration in our lives but Corona turned these things into the new normal. It's definitely a big goal. Not easy. Grateful I can count on my family who will, I'm sure, help me. By the way, the fact checker has weighed in. Apparently, my grandson was born on Erev Shabbos Shuva, not Erev Shabbos <laughs> But uh, that's the first birthday coming up either way. Um, but I'd say a big goal that I have professionally, I've wanted to write. I, I have several books written in my head. I have several books. You know, the cop-out is to collect all the writings of the articles and just put them together in a book or take old drushes and put that together in a book. I don't, I don't want to do that. It's, it's sort of a cop-out. Does it add value? Does it not add value? I don't know, but it adds value. but I have a few. I need to use your drushes. Yeah. yeah that value so the I have, um, don't worry about yourself. Worry about everyone, I, everyone else that needs it. <laughs> I have a few book ideas. Rabbi Sachs, one of the times that chief Rabbi Sachs spoke in our community was, was the year I was turning 40. And I told him that I want to write a book. And I asked him how he had the time. How, how does he produce the books at the rate that he does? So he told me, and it made me feel so good at the time, that he only wrote his first book. He had so many unwritten books in his head. And he only was finally able to break through and write his first book when he was 40 years old. And then he followed that up by saying, and I've written a book a year 
at least a book a year ever since. So he said to me, here's your challenge. By the 41st birthday, you need to come out with your first book. And he said, I'd be happy to read it and help you with it and so on and so forth. And I'm now 45 and I still don't have a book. So I don't want to write a book. You know, the Kutzkarebbe, when he was asked why he didn't write a book, Kutzkarebbe apparently said, why should I write a book? So a Jew on a Friday night will sit in their recliner, open my safe, it'll end up on the floor in a puddle of drool. So that for that, I should write a book. So I don't want to write a book to collect dust on a shelf. I don't want to write a book if it's not going to add value just to say I wrote a book. So I, I hope to carve that time. That's definitely a big, bad, audacious goal to maybe try to break through and tough shin pay off. What about you, Rabbi Moskowitz? So as you said, there are lots of goals. There are different goals in, in areas of our lives. Um, I would say one of the more underlying goals for me is, is to be present. And this is something that I've learned a lot through coronavirus um, where by nature, I was always worrying about the future, thinking about the future, um, whether that's in Minion, you're thinking about what you have to do that day, or whether even with your children, you're thinking about all the obligations and responsibilities. Um, and one of the things I've really worked hard on over COVID is, uh, is to let go a little bit and to just appreciate the moment that you're in, right? That the level of uncertainty of the last six months has been so overwhelming, almost comical, that the only possible response to it is, you know, say, I can't control what's going to happen in the future. Let me just enjoy what's going on right now. So there are a lot of levels to that in, in my life, personally, professionally, relationships, my family, friends. Um, but that I would say is like an underlying goal of mine, which is to be more present when I'm with people, when I'm with Hashem, when I'm with myself, um, and to just enjoy, you know, the offerings and the, the miracles and the blessings that life has to offer you at that moment in time. Maybe it's me. I'm having some audio issues. I don't know if it's everybody, but Rabbi Moskos, how are you gonna how are you gonna measure that goal? Because um, you know the famous management uh, guru, whose name is escaping me at the moment, said, "What gets measured gets managed. What gets me- um, what's his name? What gets measured gets managed." So how how are you? I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. You know, in my case, you either produced the book or you failed again. You know, by Brody's case, you either raise that money and you move that needle, or or you don't. So how how do you measure a goal like that? And I ask that as a learning opportunity and for our no, audience great. to be able to learn when you when you set a goal like that. So I've started doing again, it could be right, it could be wrong. You could laugh at me, you could say it's right, but but here's here's my method. Um and maybe it's an imperfect method, but um I've taken to an informal um system of journaling. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with five-minute journal, but th- but there's a system where basically at the beginning of the day you outline goals, and at the end of the day you evaluate those goals. And it's basically a way of keeping you on track. And and throughout the journal, you're able to monitor yourself and you're able to see your progress. And you know if you have more good days than bad days and what you're trying to accomplish, then then you consider it to be a victory. So um, that for me is is one of the ways that I'm gonna you know is, is keep myself on track. Um, certainly. Um, maximizing some of my morning time a little bit more to set out goals for the day, to evaluate what a success during the day is going to look like. And then again, at the end of the day, to, to reflect upon that. Listen, it's nothing different than what the Ramchal writes in Masil Sisharim. These are just modern day innovations of that, which is called introspection, which is Hold called on, goal setting. Lo- uh, are you losing me again? Are you still you? there? I hear you, yeah. Yeah, I think you're cutting out. Okay, maybe it's my internet. Sorry. Anyways, that's 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 um that's going to be my primary method, and and I'm going to figure it out as I go along. But that's the overall goal and objective uh, for this year. 
That's a good suggestion. It's Peter Drucker, my friend David Mueller, who went to the second best management school in the country, Stanford. Just joking, David, because I always joke because I, I spent the summer at Northwestern at uh, Kellogg. So Peter Drucker is the management guru who said, "What's get what gets measured gets managed." It's a big lesson for Rosh Hashanah. We're, we're in this period: Elul, Rosh Hashanah, Sarasimei Tshuva, Yom Kippur. What gets measured gets managed. We said all kinds of wishes; they're not really resolutions. You know, we've written and spoken about this a lot. But if you don't measure it, you're not going to manage it, which is what we've done with our WhatsApp groups, Body, Mind, Soul, and the challenges. We are towards the end and concluding the 30-day challenge. So for the final time this year, give us an update on your challenges. Rabbi Brody, how's Tefillin coming along, Rabbi Brody? The problem with one of the – Tefillin's great, and it's it's really uh, uh, very inspiring to see people from all over the place commenting on the mitzvah of Tefillin. But – I think the challenge with this uh, plank group is that it kind of ran away. In other words, I think the average plank started out being a minute to two minutes. And then it's inspiring to try and aspire to get to that point. And then three minutes, it's like, okay, let me get there. When you start doing seven, eight, nine-minute planks, I think it might have been a little tough for some people to, to, to swallow that. And there were a few people, if you know, did drop off. And I'm wondering if it's, it's a metaphor for life. You know, yeah, it's a it's a metaphor for life. When you start to compete, yeah, when you compete with others instead of competing with yourself, then you can get disheartened. But you know, right. we're all we're all climbing a ladder. It doesn't matter what rung you're on relative to others. It just matters that you're on a higher rung than you started. So um, that is one of the challenges of the plank group. We got some outstanding people who are uh, they're planking all day long. I got a great email from somebody who follows or listens or reads who is a Rebbe, a teacher, an educator, who said in class, in between periods, they break, and he has everybody get down to a plank. He's instituted body, mind, soul, really putting it into practice, which is a great thing. Right. Yeah, I think uh, there's another it. important lesson in the – yeah, you're cutting in and out. But I think there's another lesson in in the, the groups, which is I think one of the reasons why the plank group was so successful is it's short, it's sweet, and it's attainable. You need You need two minutes. You need a minute. Right. The other ones may have been a little bit more lofty, 20 minutes walking around the circle takes a little bit more of an investment. And I think the message for that for people who are in goal setting is that when you have big goals, right, when you sometimes shoot for the stars, you end up with nothing because it's unachievable. Whereas if you find something that you can do short and quick every single day as a pattern of behavior Mm. that with consistency over a month, that can really move the needle. So I think there's there's actually a lesson in why that group was perhaps more obviously other than your uh, monitoring the group, but I think there's there's a there's a powerful lesson in like the two minutes versus just some like amorphous you know try to read a little bit every day, try to walk a little bit every day. No, this is two minutes. Get on the floor. You can do it in a break. You can do it before yeah. bed. Like it's a little bit easier to do. And it also falls under the what gets measured gets managed because you're timing exactly how long you do it. You could track over a period of time how well you're doing. And hopefully the things that we've been doing for the 30 days, we'll keep doing. So this was another great episode, Rabbi Yisrael Kamenetsky, who it's already been pointed out, one of his great Talmidim, Rabbi Arya Libowitz, Shlita on Twitter, already pointed out that Rabbi Kamenetsky, it tells you everything about Rav Yisi, that he pivoted the whole conversation from talking about him to talking about his father. That's his humility, is instead of our talking or focusing on him, his strengths, his success, he pivoted and made the whole conversation about his father. That tells you everything about him right there. What a powerful lesson, what a powerful image to go into Rosh Hashanah. As we end Tafshin Pei, and with this, this is the last episode of season one. As we end season one, all of our listeners, both live and the podcast, please rate and review. Take one moment, rate and review us so we can get Rabbi Yisrael Kamenetsky's message out far and wide. We want to wish you a Happy, healthy 
be blessed with all the best of everything. Is there, you want to make an exclusive announcement? Will there be a season two? Everyone's wondering. <laughs> Are we being picked You'll up? Have to stay posted. <laughs> We're going to have to find out based on sponsorship, based um, on a lot sure. else. You know, one of our, one of our future guests reached out to me today, had a very interesting text exchange with, but we'll talk about that in an upcoming week. You guys, I forgot to tell you about it. Uh, we'll talk about it soon and when he will be on. Please God to make an announcement, hopefully sometime very soon. So if we're picked up for season two, we'll see. You know, if, if you've been enjoying and you think it's worthwhile and you're willing to rate and review and you want to step up and help sponsor behind the BMO, which not one penny goes to us, it all goes to help advance the mission of Boca Raton Synagogue and the movement, then we'll be back for season two. So let us know. Until then, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy. Have a wonderful Yontif and a sweet and a happy New Year. Thank you for listening to Behind the Bima. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next week for another peek Behind the Bima.